Inner Sales Podcast, Episode 3. What is the one thing most salespeople struggle with? Welcome to the Inner Sales Podcast, where you will learn how to connect with your own intuition and create a more successful and enlightened sales career. Listen as John and Russ discuss what it takes to drive revenue from the inside out. And now, here's your host, John Stannis. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Inner Sales Podcast from 3YG. I am John Stannis, and today we are talking about what's the number one things most people struggle with. I'm joined today, per usual, by Russ Salzer. Hey, Russ, how's it going? Hey, John. Good. How's your week? Uh, fast. Fast? <laughs> John, I think you missed the key word there. I think it's what's the number one thing most salespeople struggle oh, with. Oh, most salespeople. All right. Most, not just everybody, but this is just talking about sales. That's right. Thank exactly. you for keeping me on my toes. Um, I'm just a little bit excited, and I'll tell you why I'm excited, Russ, because this week we have our first guest. Um, welcome to the show, Judith Bell. Hello. It's a pleasure to be here. It is a pleasure to have you. Um, so today we wanted to bring Judith on because you and Russ have worked together for a while and you guys are working on some new stuff together. We wanted to talk about it um, and talk about prospecting and um, uh, how if it's dead, how important is it, um, if it's a good marketing strategy or if it's still relevant. So we're going to dig into all that. But first, we need to know a bit of more about Judy, know a little bit more about you, what's your background and um how you and Russ get to get, got together. So can you give me just a brief overview of your history and how you got to where you are today? Sure. Well, since we're going to be talking about prospecting, let me start there. I have been selling myself since I was eight years old. Actually, before that, to my parents, trying to get what I wanted. And <laughs> so it started at an early age. And um, as I developed my profession, I found that I was always having to sell my ideas because what I was doing was novel and innovative. And so people didn't have a clue of, uh, as to what I was doing. So it was something that I became familiar with and used to doing for my survival, really, and so that my business could thrive. So Russ and I met years ago. I don't know how many years ago he might remember um, in um, work that has to do with the human element, which we all are a part of. But this particular approach um, is really based on how do you be your best self by getting rid of all your defenses. And all these defenses are things that most people don't have a clue are going on. They only think anger is a defense. But there are many, many, many. So anyway, we Russ and I met each other in that whole environment and immediately liked each other. I think, Russ, is that true? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it is. I, um, what I would, Judy, for the benefit of the audience, a little bit more background about what, what you do, what you're doing today. You have a pretty successful business, which you've had for a long time called Rewire Leadership Institute. So maybe talk a little bit about the focus of the work you're doing today and where you are, where are you physically? Yeah, so my Rewire Leadership Institute started as the Authentic Leadership Institute because my focus on my work was really about authenticity. But when another company came along and 
basically stole my name. I changed it to rewire leadership. Why? Because everything I think we're all doing is rewiring our brain so that we can thrive. So I have the great privilege of doing a lot of work with NASA engineers and NASA scientists, as well as all kinds of commercial companies, small and large, family-owned businesses. And I'm constantly helping all of us human beings rewire ourselves so that we can be the best we are to get rid of or not get rid of, but diminish the reactivity that we have that is hardwired in all those fears are there for a reason. And so just like there's fears in prospecting, we have fears about moving forward in all kinds of walks of life. So instead of trying to pretend that they aren't there, rewiring is about understanding why they're there, how they came to be, and then working with ways to diminish them so that you can move through them. That is pretty amazing. I have to say, I'm already pretty jealous of you getting to work with NASA engineers, being a a space nerd, Star Trek nerd growing up. Uh, I know. (laughs) So you can come along and do all this stuff that you're doing there. And you're, you're in Northern Cal, San Francisco Bay Area, right? I'm in the Bay Area. I am right between the Golden Gate Bridge and wine country. I'm in a slice of heaven, really. Uh, Marin? In Marin. So in Marin, most of Marin, more than 85% is open space, which means you, you can get on a trail and walk for days mm. without crossing private property. So I live right next to open space. So we have birds and foxes and deer and turkeys and rats. (laughs) (laughs) All the rats. (laughs) Sounds amazing. Uh, I love that outdoor stuff. Uh, Part of the reason my my wife and my family moved up to the Pacific Northwest from Wisconsin was for the outdoor areas. So we're really enjoying it up in Portland, but I have family down in the Bay Area. And so we do enjoy getting down there when we can. Um, Come visit. Oh, I will. Uh, Got to go down probably in October around my dad's birthday. Okay. You've also written some books, it looks like. So the first major book that was published was called Lovers for Life, Creating Lasting Passion, Trust, and True Partnership that I wrote with my husband. And it really has to do, bottom line, with how do you have a great relationship? How do you get past all those fears so that you can talk about things and... um, create a really solid base of intimacy that can then include sexuality, but it really starts with how do we all um, unzip some of the scariest places inside ourselves so that we can be together. And then um, I'm, I'm currently working on a book really about how to have great conversations, how to get over all the humps. Mm. And the title has been moving around a lot, but it's about how to have good conversations. So again, anybody who's doing sales of any kind, they have to be able to start and navigate through some tricky conversations. So it will be applicable to all the people who are going to be involved in anything that Russ and I do together. That sounds great. I look forward to... uh... So seeing that and reading that when it comes out. Thank you. Now that we've got some information about a little bit back to your background, let's get into a bit about um, our topic and what salespeople struggle with um, prospecting, obviously. So I want to bring this forward. You know, we talk a lot about code calling, 
I work for a marketing agency and everything we do is inbound. We are an inbound agency. So we work a lot on content development and truly trying to get salespeople um, leads that are talking to them. So um, in our world, we're focused on the you know, inbound warm leads, but what about code calling? Is that just something that people shouldn't worry about anymore? Is that still a thing? I'll answer that. So I've been in the sales training business for three years now. And one of the things that I've seen that's really common amongst any team is the ability to drive leads prospecting. And I think, John, whether or not they're warm inbound leads or whether it's a cold lead, the same activity is still required. Even if you give me a warm lead, I still have to take the same steps to try to approach that client, engage that client, usually meet with them. And so, you know, knowing that that was a continual struggle, it's kind of funny just quickly how Judy and I connected on this because we hadn't, I don't think we talked Judy for 10 years. You know, we've known each other for over 20. Wow. um, I think it was, it had to be over 20. It had to be in the nineties, you know, when we met and then several months ago, um, for whatever reason, Judy's face popped into my mind a couple of times in the course of about a week. And I called her just to kind of reconnect and say, here, here's what I'm doing. What are you up to? And very quickly out of that conversation came the idea to put something together to collaborate, to try to address what I see as probably the primary issue with salespeople. And that's the willingness and ability to prospect. And so that's how we came together uh, to put this program together. And um so again, John, I think even if you're inbound, even if you have a great marketing staff, a great department, I think the, the, you know, the activity is still the same. You still have to engage people. You still have to have conversations. You still have to be willing to pick up the phone. One of the um, exciting parts of the conversation, Russ, when we connected, um, uh, for me, was the whole idea of um, augmenting the the sales, um, I guess the, 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 the avenue into sales has been so behaviorally driven. And what I was really interested yeah. in was yeah. that you were looking for something deeper, like yeah. how do we solve the problems that we right. human beings have to, to secure the behaviors and actually get people to be able to implement them and apply them and have it make a difference. And that is really looking underneath all those behaviors. And that was what was so exciting to me that we could collaborate to give people more than they get in most sales trainings. A bit more about prospecting then I want to talk about um, digital marketing. These days, it seems like everything is going digital. I think digital Online advertising and marketing has just, and sales has just surpassed um, what we think of as more the traditional models um, between, you know, Google and Facebook and Twitter and all the different platforms that people are marketing on these days. Um, How has that really impacted um, sales and how people have to prospect? Russ, that's for you. Yeah, I think, you know, from my perspective and the evolution, and I'm a a fan of um, digital marketing. It certainly has its place as how to reach people. I think maybe a lot of the data you're talking about, John, might be more related to B2C as opposed to B2B. You know, I think you can find data to support any kind of argument, you know, but I I think the concern, at least what I see, 
is I think in a lot of ways, salespeople have become kind of dependent on that and, and hope that pays off. I said it on a webinar yesterday from uh, a West Coast company that has a great um, marketing automation platform. And they were talking about A-B testing, which I know you're pretty familiar with, John. But they take a, mm-hmm. take a couple of similar emails and put them out to, you know, they were doing time to try to figure out the best time to send an email. And, you know, their lot size was like 70,000 emails. And it was, you know, the open rate was under 9% and the click-through rate was less than 1%. You know, so when you do the math on that, um, and again, just because somebody clicked through, it doesn't mean it's going to turn into much of anything. So it just seems it's still, to me at least, I think it has its place from a credibility perspective and from a reach perspective. But I still think it requires a more active approach from the sales team to really drive the conversation and try to get in front of folks, especially B2B, especially mm-hmm. b Yeah. The only thing I would add to that, and That's- I really do feel like I am completely in the um, not knowing arena in this area. But what I would see from my experience is that there's something that is um, added value when there's face-to-face contact, mm-hmm. particularly the emotional energy that is needed really for a sale if, in most things. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. Um, I think something we're seeing more and more in digital marketing is more and more video content. I know we're using more and more video content to produce um, uh, content that really has um, reach to people. And so I think that it's kind of helping that face-to-face communication through video. Obviously, we're seeing each other right now as we do this uh, podcast, doing it over a video conference call. It really helps us communicate better. We're seeing each other's facial expressions and gestures, and that helps that level. And sometimes people really don't really realize that so much of communication isn't just verbal. So much of communication is body language, facial expression, um, little tics that people have when they're nervous. So I think you're (laughs) completely right that that um, visual component, and then even that present moment, being in the same room with somebody is even better than being over a video conference because right. you think you just have that much stronger connection that you lose in a digital environment. Right. I agree. Uh, moving on a little bit, um, we talk about the things that are holding us back from prospecting um, and giving our sales. So um, things that we have like fear, and you talked, I remember earlier, Judith, about a little bit about um, um, how we protect ourselves. And you're talking about anger, how anger isn't the only kind of thing that is defensive. So can we talk a little bit about selling in fear and um, why most things actually don't get sold because of that? So there's um, an idea that's called stranger danger that is really part of our old brain. If you are from a different tribe, you're a stranger. And so I, as an old brain inside me, go danger. I need to make sure that I am safe. So anytime you're doing, a person is doing a cold call or, um, and has a thought of this person might ignore me, they might reject me, they might do something that humiliates me, they might treat me in a way that 
without them intending to do, it triggers all my own fears about myself. And so most people, because our brains are pain adverse, mm-hmm. we don't pick up the phone and put ourselves in that horrible situation. We avoid it at all costs. And so we're all wizards at finding ways to procrastinate. <laughs> yes, we are. My kitchen gets so clean when I don't want to make a phone call. So, all right. That's right. We clean our houses, we clean our cars, we clean our kitchens, we organize things, we do all kinds of things to avoid facing that fear that somebody might treat me in a way that triggers me feeling bad about myself. And it's all unconscious. So it's not like, oh, this is a strategy that I'm going to employ so that I feel better. It's happening all underneath the radar of awareness, which is why it's so difficult to deal with. Right. Which we kind of touched on it before, but I think, I mean, there's a lot of good sales training around there's, and it tends to be behavior based. And, you know, we had John, you and I had talked about this before from a behavior perspective, the steps involved in selling are typically not very complicated. You got a lead, you got a name, you got contact information, you call them, you think about what you're going to say, what you want. So the steps are not complicated. And yet, what I see in the work I do is such an unwillingness to try back to what Judy was saying. Like we don't even, I have yet to come across anybody who has said to me factually, you know, I've put in 200 calls this week and I got rejected 199 times and I got berated and blah, 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 blah. So we're reacting to things that are really not factual or real. And I did a presentation this week to over 20 salespeople and I used a, I use a polling software and I teed up a question open-ended that they could respond to. I said, you know, why don't you, what is it about uh, prospecting that you don't like? And it was rejection or fear of rejection, rejection or fear of rejection. I mean, that was the common theme. The next question I asked them is I said, what could be, what could be, rewarding about prospecting right and it was a wonderful list helping people meeting new people getting introduced to a new plant you know the excitement of potentially you know making a sale down the road and it was just and these were back-to-back surveys but to try to get to the point you know as judy said we're so we're so um it's so ingrained that we don't even put it out but yet quickly just saying hey what could be rewarding you know, they very quickly came up with this rich list. Mm-hmm. Now, it's going to provide enough motivation to get people to prospect, you know, knowing that possibility. But it is, I think, what it takes, to, you know, to get below the surface of the behavior and, you know, what is what is in there that we're not aware of that in most cases, just salespeople don't take the step. Mm-hmm. You know? and, and really what you said, Russ, is so beautiful because that – immediate recognition that what I'm afraid of is getting rejected. Mm-hmm. That just even bringing that to the surface, it, that gives us a handle on working with it. Because truly, if I really go into it logically, what's so bad about being rejected? I've been yeah. rejected before. <laughs> I live through it. I'll live through it again. So if I realize that I can cope with this person hanging up on me or not answering my questions or saying something even 
a slanderous to me. Yeah, or not he, calling me back or... Yeah, yeah they're ignoring my call, whatever. If I can handle that, if I believe that I can cope, then I'm willing to pick up the phone and have the courage to make that call. Yeah, yeah. Well, if I would have had that down in high school, I probably would have <laughs> had more dates. <laughs> Don't talk to me about high school, all right? I tried to forget it. <laughs> Yeah, but you think about that even rejection, yeah. you know, even at that level. Having said that, I will say I met YMF in high school and it's been over 15 glorious years. So it does work out sometimes. There you go. <laughs> who asked who though, John? Um, I guess you could say she asked me. Um, there you yeah, go. you're right. Yeah. <laughs> so again, I've got to be more open. Um, speaking of that, so... I wanted to go, we're running shorter on time right now, but I just wanted you guys to maybe touch a little bit. You've got this prospecting intensive coaching that you're um, starting to put together. And I want you to maybe just talk maybe just a few points about what's going to be um, part of that um, so we can get a little bit of an idea. And we'll talk about this more in future episodes. But right now, just we'll get, you know, give me a high level overview of what this is going to be. So, Judy, you can jump in. But, you know, so what we did is we thought, you know, Judy and I, spent a lot of time together and said, hey, what would make a difference here? And so what we did is we put together what we're calling an eight-week prospecting intensive. And the reason it's the duration is eight weeks is because it's going to take a fair amount of time to get some behavioral changes. And so as we talked about today, you know, one component of the, of the work we're doing um, is to get into kind of all the unconscious stuff, which Judy's going to lead and we're going to do that every week and then uh, the remainder of the week we're going to be working on actually selling so it's a program that's designed to become part of your work day Um, we're going to use uh, zoom video so it'll be face to face we want to create kind of a peer group atmosphere amongst people we want to try to establish that connection as best we can given that we can't be together um you know we'll be the longest we would be on the phone with um Participants might be an hour and a half or two hours at any given time, but again, it's really designed to become of become part of the workday for salespeople who really want to learn how to become better prospectors. And so, one of the primary differences in what we're doing is we're presenting um, principles that really have to do with how do we optimize our brain. And how do we use ourselves in the best way possible to deal with all of those fears that limit us? So it's like it's a it's being able to identify the fear and then develop internal mindset shifts so that we actually do start rewiring our brain. So the reason that people don't develop new habits or that they don't practice them enough in the way that they want them to be. And so the eight-week duration is a, is a platform that gives people the opportunity to take a skill, experiment with it, refine it, practice it, practice it, and do more practicing so that it starts creating a new neural network. And this is actually um, a phrase that a friend of mine coined, self-directed neuroplasticity. What that means is that we can direct our brain to keep growing itself Mm. and developing new neural networks. And that's really what it takes to to start a new behavior. And that behavior includes a new mindset, new attitudes, new beliefs about yourself. 
So that's why it's an intensive because it will be intensive. It's more than just here's a little behavior mm-hmm. to do. It really involves how do I change myself from the inside out, including the out. Yeah. And the out, then we get into the behavioral stuff, you know, selling techniques. You know, what do I say when I call folks? What do I say when I get an unfavorable response that I'm not looking for? So we also work on that aspect. So one of the prerequisites of the um, participation in the program is that you have, you know, plenty of leads. This is actually going to be an eight-week working class. This is not theory. You know, it's really getting in and trying to um, become more effective, trying to become more aware, trying to understand, go implement. You're going to get feedback, you know, from the world. How's it working? Come back in you know, go deeper, do it again. So it is meant to be um, a very rich working session as you go through the eight weeks with a lot of contact. Well, hearing all that sounds very interesting, very exciting. I think um, as somebody who's constantly working on learning more stuff and pushing myself um, to try to do more, I think this is something that anybody, especially in sales, would find extremely useful for that kind of thing. Um, So let's wrap it up here. Um, Judith, thank you so much for coming on with us. My total pleasure. Thank you, Jonathan and Russ. Yep. She'll be back next week too, John. Yeah. Um, How can people reach out to you if they're interested in contacting you, you, Judith? There's a um, contact bar at my website, rewireleadership.com, but you can also um, write to me at judith at rewireleadership.com. Sounds good. And then uh, thanks also, Russ. Oh, you're welcome. Uh, again, how can people get a hold of you? Um, website is 3yg.us or russ at 3yg.us. And I am John Stannis. You can reach me at Twitter at, at John Stannis. Uh, if you want to uh, reach out to Inner Sales, the show directly, you can email us at uh, innersales at 3yg.us, or you can uh, contact us on Twitter as well at, at inner underscore sales. Um, any show notes and other links you can find for this episode will be at 3yg.us slash inner dash sales slash three. Um, if you like the show, you want to support a little bit, um, why don't you head on over to iTunes, give us a review, maybe give us a few stars, five maybe, I don't know, possibly. I'm going to ask you for that. Oh, you can also subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, on Overcast, or wherever you find the podcast that you listen to on a regular basis. Um, our theme music is Shmati Kilokatsi by Kilokats. And uh, thank you so much for listening, and we will see you and talk to you all again next week. Bye, Russ. Bye, Bye Rob. Bye. Bye.